Welcome to the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR, where we talk to business leaders from around Ireland and share their advice on how to create the HR systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, simply visit www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. The single biggest topic for HR teams and leaders everywhere in recent years has been that of remote or hybrid working. And now that we look to more permanent ways of working as we emerge from the pandemic, it's more important than ever to understand how these working models really operate in practice. And to talk about this topic today, we're delighted to be joined by Dr. Tatiana Andreva and Dr. Paolo Zappa of Minute University, who have undertaken significant and eye-opening research on the effects and challenges of hybrid working. Thanks for joining us. How are you both? Thank you very much for having us today. Yeah, thank you. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Managing Director and Founder here at Inside HR. Hi, Mary, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And I'm looking forward to our first episode with two guests rather than Absolutely. one. So let's hope we manage this well. Brilliant, choice is good. Perfect, so let's jump right in. So I suppose coming to yourself uh, first, Tatiana. Um, so I suppose just to kick us off, what questions should employees firstly ask themselves when making the choice between remote and office? What we hear from people that typically when thinking about this choice, people think more of, you know, their own work-life balance uh, and the potential benefits that remote work can bring to this. And while these questions are relevant, we think there are some more questions that one needs to ask themselves to decide which, which way would work best. So based on our research with Paola, we came up with six questions to ask yourself. And I'm going to talk about the first three and Paula will talk about the other three. So the first question to start is to ask yourself what type of work you do. Is this work um, that you can do relatively autonomously or do you require a lot of collaboration and coordination with the colleagues? And if your work is relatively autonomous, you can decide what you want, that kind of your preference based on other criteria would guide your choice. But the more you need to coordinate with others, the more your choice will depend on how well this coordination can be done online. And we know from the research that a virtual coordination can be more time consuming than face-to-face coordination. And therefore, if you decide, if you are in this type of work and if you decide to go fully remote, the coordination may take all of your time instead of actually doing the actual job. So, uh, and also in addition, we know from research that this online coordination causes more fatigue than face-to-face coordination. So you may not only have less time to do your work, but you may also feel more tired uh, by coordinating virtually. So to summarize, what type of the work you do really matters. Then the second question uh, that we think is very important to ask is what type of the work arrangements your colleagues have, the ones with whom you work closely? And uh, why it is important is that if you choose, you decide to choose the type of work arrangement that is very different from your team, 
you are at a higher risk of ending up feeling isolated. For example, if you decide that I work fully remotely or one day a week in the office, but the rest of the team works fully in the office or like most of the time in the office, no matter how everybody tries, it is very difficult to remain feeling, you know, the same uh, part of the team as everybody else. And finally, the third question, which is what type of the work arrangement uh, your boss has? And uh, do they plan, for example, to be fully back to the office or do they continue to be working remote uh, or in a hybrid way? And the research that has been done pre-pandemic suggests that the type of arrangement the manager has influences the experiences of an employee, because if your boss has been themselves in the shoes of, let's say, remote work or hybrid work, they better understand what it means, how it feels, and how to manage this type of the relationships. And um, so these questions about your own job and the type of the work arrangements others around you choose really make a difference for what type of the work arrangement will work for you. So these were the first three. (laughs) I told you we have six. So Paula will tell you about the other three. Yes, so the fourth one is networking, which is a key word that has been, uh, you know, repeated and heard a lot in the latest month, but uh, it has not always been addressed properly, let's say so. Um, There is this idea that uh, um, one of the main benefits of being at the office is that you can share your ideas and uh, collaborate easily with uh, your colleagues. And um, even newspapers, not just uh, um, uh, scientific publications, told us that uh, when you move to a remote environment, uh, this all becomes much more difficult because, of course, you don't see your colleagues, you don't spend time with them, and reaching out to them in a virtual environment is much more difficult. Uh, It seems to me that sometimes the solution is just... uh, Oh, be aware of that and, uh, you know, try to invest more time or uh, be mindful that if you work in a remote or a hybrid mode, you might find it difficult to uh, collaborate with your colleagues. Well, this is just half of the story. The other half of the story is, so what next? How, are we deal, how do I deal with it? And uh, I think uh, it's important that employees realize that, uh, or let's say ask themselves how good they are and how willing they are to invest on virtual networking and uh, and are aware of how important it is. So if the answer to the question, how good I am at reaching out to my colleagues and making this effort is, uh, well, not that much, it means that they really need to invest time on uh, learning new skills. So really setting, uh, um, becoming a good virtual networker priority and learn to manage these strategically do not just rely on uh, serendipity, this would not work in a virtual environment. Um, So for instance, it's important to be mindful of uh, planning, thinking of extra time to maintain the ties that employees already have with colleagues, Um, set up virtual meetings, reaching out to the colleagues. Um, And uh, for instance, if uh, some employees realize that this is something that might not work for them because they even do not have the personality or they do not have the time or the willingness to be so uh, proactive. 
then they might consider spending some time at the, at the workplace. So for instance, going for hybrid instead of remote work so that uh, they can really split uh, the time, not just the time, they can really split the tasks. And for instance, think of uh, devoting the time they spend in the office uh, to um, meeting up with others and um, practicing to become uh, uh, a good networker. And then what else? What boss? I think at this stage, the supervisor bosses have not entered the picture yet, but of course they are important. Uh, so um, when you decide which work arrangement uh, might work for you better, you also need best, best boss. You also need to think of uh, uh, what your boss is doing and how good uh, your boss might be at managing the work environment, which becomes more complex if uh, you know employees adopt different type of uh, work arrangements. So ask yourself uh, how experienced and how good my boss seems to be in managing a um, hybrid team, a hybrid work group. And uh, unfortunately, it's worth noticing that in this case, what happened during the pandemic is not enough to make a proper assessment uh, because we need to be mindful that basically what happened during the pandemic was that uh, everybody was on sort of an equal footing. We all were forced to work remotely, which means that we really were not in the condition of uh, different work arrangements, uh, which is what might happen in the future. So it's worth uh, not just asking yourself this question and maybe start a conversation with your boss and try to find out um, uh, how experienced they might be and how willing they might be to uh, embrace this new work environment and the challenges that, that it might impose to them. And this, of course, links to the um, final point, which is the company and the extent to which not just your direct supervisor, but the company as a whole is willing to and ready uh, to help and to support uh, a, a different type of work arrangement. Um, you, need to, you need to be aware of the uh, company policies, uh, see whether they are being implemented and um, how they are willing to, they, they are um, uh, prompt, they, they, they can support uh, your, um, your choices. Uh, and um, if this is not the case, if you see that your company is really not stepping up uh, and you have uh, limited uh, autonomy, you cannot fix skills. Um, there are um, many ways of doing so, from uh, readings uh, to courses on remote working. So as an employee, you can make the first step and you can uh, improve yourself. But if the company does not support you, it's become more challenging. So you might uh, uh, want to reconsider uh, your choices. So I think without many considerations, I think, Mary, it's it's probably quite important for companies to be quite flexible, really, is it, in what they offer? Because I think it obviously has been a big shift in that kind of employee-employer power relationship as well, hasn't there? Undoubtedly, at the moment, employers are competing for talent and employee voice is very strong. Um, people are looking for work arrangements that suit 
themselves. And, you know, it's really interesting from what uh, Tatiana and Paolo both say in that, um, you know, it's, it's, everyone is not necessarily suited to remote working and every company is not necessarily suited to having remote work arrangements in place and not without being intentional at any rate um, and I think the being intentional is so important from a HR perspective that you know you cannot just I suppose transplant what used to happen in the office and what used to happen in a workplace or multiple workplaces to the home and expect that you're going to retain the culture, expect that you're going to uh, keep people engaged and motivated, expect that every manager knows instinctively what to do. And during the pandemic, we were in a crisis situation. So I absolutely agree with what you're saying. We were in a crisis situation and nobody had a choice. So the work arrangements weren't ideal, but organizations had to make it work. Employees had to make it work. But now as people come back into the office, I'm hearing reports of stress and fatigue and coming into the office and and sitting beside your colleagues on video calls all day. Um, and there's nothing very intentional about that because the distractions and the noise and all of that make it more difficult for people to do their job necessarily in the offices. That's what they're actually coming in to do. So if you factor in the cost of diesel, you factor in the commute time, you factor in your experience when you get into the office versus your home, um, it, you know, it may not be ideal in this environment. What we do know is that it's far easier to manage an entirely remote workforce because everybody is the same and all things are equal than it is to actually manage a hybrid workforce. Um, so I'm really interested in this research because I think it's just so important as we plan our way into the future and, you know, try and uh, create the best workplaces that we can possibly do. And I think it, there's a lot of things that feed into this, you know, the, the design of the office, you know, tr the traditional design of the office it doesn't work for hybrid working really anymore. Um, but many organizations don't have the resources to change it. Yes, LinkedIn and Twitter and some of the bigger players, some of the larger organizations out there have made transformations in terms of their offices, uh, but not every organization has done that. So the experience, the employee experience might be quite poor when they come to the office if it's not intentional. Absolutely. And I think just building on that kind of employer perspective, I'll come to yourself, Paula, for this one first. Um, are there certain questions that employers should ask themselves when they're making the choice between remote and office for their, their staff? Employers, well, um, they really need to start by asking themselves really how the company is structured. So they really need to think of uh, uh, what are the challenges that uh, the company is facing and what it needs. Um, this is a matter, for instance, of uh, um, who the company interacts with. So if we start from thinking of, uh, let's say, external challenges, uh, it's a matter of thinking what are the arrangements and the preferences, we could say, of the uh, important stakeholders, the clients, the suppliers, 
the uh, regulatory bodies if needed uh, and uh, um, how they work. So there is need to, which I, I know it's kind of an additional um, layer of complexity, uh, but uh, I guess that everything starts from organization, uh, organization acknowledging that uh, they are not uh, fully independent in what they do, but I, they are uh, embedding the environment in a uh, web of uh, relationships with uh, external uh, um, actors that need to be taken into account. Um, so, for instance, uh, let's start with the clients. Um, in some sectors, uh, it's, um, uh, it's easy to see that some interactions, uh, some collaborations can be done uh, fully online. Uh, but there are industries, there are professions, there are specific positions within the company, so roles, uh, some employees uh, respect, in respect to others, where um, the face-to-face interaction is vital. Let's think, for instance, of a lot of professional companies, uh, that uh, professional service companies that provide services that really require trust and a strong relationship and interaction with the clients, whereby the face-to-face uh, uh, work is uh, needed. Um, in all these cases where there is the need to meet the client in person, at least, uh, at least first, uh, companies need to be aware that uh, they cannot allow all their employees to work uh, in remote or hybrid work, or they might be willing to differentiate among their employees with the cons- with, uh, positive and negative consequences of uh, employees seeing that uh, they are not, to some extent, offered the same opportunity or the same degree of freedom in selecting their own uh, um, work arrangement. Um, for instance, uh, um, our, uh, we have conducted some research on uh, professional service firms, which is the reason why I was mentioning them, um, where we find, found that during the pandemic, they were able to manage some contracts or implement uh, some projects uh, remotely, but just with existing clients. Because in, in that case, you know, trust was already there, the relationship was already, was already strong. So there were not the expectation that uh, the employees of the company, of the professional company need to nurture these relationships and these interactions. But unfortunately, it's not always the case. And this has implications. And then of course, apart from what's specifically needed in terms of tasks, there is also the preference aspect. Uh, again, in respect to clients, but also suppliers, well, they are uh, uh, vital, uh, they are key stakeholders for the company. So it's not just a matter of thinking of what they do, what we could do with them, but what they want. Uh, and uh, if there are uh, uh, clients, uh, suppliers that expect um, uh, employees to be there, to uh, interact with them, if they want that kind of support that requires uh, the uh, face-to-face uh, interaction, this means that, uh, of course, uh, the companies need to uh, adjust uh, to what uh, uh, these uh, vital stakeholders ask. Uh, and the same applies to, um, to any other uh, stakeholders with which the company needs to interact. So it's really a combination of general preferences, which may vary across uh, clients, across suppliers, and specificities of the jobs and positions that might create, as we said, some 
differentiation um, among uh, employees, which is something that, really, that the employees might not take uh, well. Definitely. So there's a lot of considerations there, I think. So I suppose, Mary, and we've kind of spoken a lot about the, the side of things, but what are some of the kind of standout benefits for you for both employers and employees when it comes to that hybrid working or fully remote working? It's choice, isn't it? Choice and lifestyle and balance and being able to, you know, balance all of the things that you want to do in your life in a better way that that suits you in a in an employee centric fashion um, rather than in an employer fashion. I mean, it, the the whole notion of everybody coming together in the one place is you know an old model of working it's a traditional model of working and the pandemic has been a real game changer in terms of what people want it's a hundred percent clear that the hardest jobs at the moment to fill are those that require people to uh, come into the office and we have a number of clients where we're working with them on you know specific recruitment projects for difficult to acquire skill sets and you know when I see um, on the job specification that they want somebody in office I'm thinking our candidate pool has just shrunk hugely and we are going to struggle to find the person uh, to come into that role Uh, if there's no flexibility offered if there's no hybrid or remote options offered and from an employee perspective you know do they have are they fully aware of their own ability to perform or has the question in people's minds become how will this suit my life and is less about the job and work and the quality of work and the way in which work can be done uh, than the question that the employer might have um, and for many of our clients we've talked to them about look you know if you're to compete in a tight market at the present time you really have to look at this and think uh, is there any flexibility that can be offered here because if not uh, where are we going to find these people? Where are we going to find suitable candidates for you to interview? And how are you going to attract those people into your organization when your competitors may well have got their act together? They may well be very intentional about how things are done. They may have invested in their office spaces uh, and invested in that coordination piece that you talked about, Tatiana, at the outset. You know, I think you're going to see more and more of those kind of roles in the future where you're going to hire manners, managers specifically to coordinate, specifically to look at engagement of hybrid and remote workers. And so I think the conversations are really going to change in the future um, around this. And like any big change, we're very new to this. You know, we've only been doing this for two years and, you know, I'm not aware of a huge amount of research outside of um, yours, Tatiana and Paolo, uh, around that particular area. And, you know, that will inform and guide what employers do and how they do it. And it's just so important that we have that because everybody's operating off instinct and what they think they know, what they're hearing out there, what they're seeing on social media or LinkedIn or reading about. Um, But the research is really going to inform 
is this going to work for us? If these are questions that we can ask, if we can ask those six questions um, and encourage our employees to answer those six questions, then we may be in a better position to assess whether it works for an individual or not, whether it works for the organization or not. And then the whole question of acquisition of talent changes all that then again. Yeah, I think the other side of the coin as well, Mary, is that kind of war for retention as well, isn't it? Like keeping keeping staff once it gets in. So I suppose, Tatiana, come to yourself first for this one. I suppose if you are going to bring in a hybrid model, a remote model, is there things that companies can do to kind of embrace this model? Is there things around performance performance appraisals, events, things like that? I will answer your question. But before that, can I go back to something that Mary said? Because uh, I, I, I think there is an important point Mary made that I want to reiterate. I fully agree that uh, we all um, are operating in the totally new field. And uh, um, I think I probably wouldn't even say that we've been doing this for two years because as we discussed earlier, pandemic experience is a different one. First, it was crisis. And everybody was willing to make adjustments, you know, that it's a temporary crisis situation that, you know, people were more tolerant, being more tolerant, uh, both the employers and employees. Um, so it's a different story. But the second point that again was mentioned, but I want to reiterate it again, is that in most organizations during COVID, we just went fully remote. And fully remote is different from fully in the office, but the, what makes them similar is that it's homogeneous arrangement. Everybody's in the same boat. And with going forward, what we're gonna see instead of homogeneity, heterogeneity, where everybody will be different within the same company. And the question is, how do we manage this? And from this perspective, what we hear from some companies is when they explore the choices to go forward, some of them think, or oh, maybe kind of continuing to be or going fully remote now when there is no crisis pressure is maybe a little bit too radical or you know too much for us. So we hear a lot of people think that hybrid is a solution because it gives you the best of the two worlds and it's kind of finding the middle ground. As Mary was saying, employees want flexibility. So we're going to give them some flexibility, but it's not so radical as remote only. So it's kind of, you know, win-win compromise situation. Um, And what the research that Paula and I do suggests that actually it's incorrect to think of hybrid this way, because it immediately increases the level of complexity of the different things that organization has to manage. Because when everybody within the same company, within the same team, having different work arrangements, it means organizations need to have processes that allow to manage this diversity of the work arrangements within the same team. But this was kind of a general point that I wanted to raise because I'm getting really worried when I hear companies saying, oh, we go for hybrid because it's, you know, compromise, middle ground, easier solution to do it's not it's not but to be more specific about what can be done um uh, the first point is probably providing relevant training both to managers and to employees how to work remotely or how to work in hybrid 
how to uh, manage this collaboration and coordination with others who will be in different in different arrangements. We've recently participated a, in a project uh, done here in Ireland where, among other questions, they asked um, respondents, have they received any training in the last two years on how to work remotely or how to work in hybrid? And we ask separately employees and managers. And there is actually, uh, I don't remember from the top of my head the numbers, but I think it's less than a 20% that received any type of training. And actually the percentage among the managers was even lower. So employees in general may have received some training and work remotely, but managers training on how to manage a team when one person comes to the office, another one person works three days in the office, and another person is never in the office, they haven't been trained on this. And I think it's a very, for me, it was a very alarming signal from this survey that the companies don't realize that the COVID experience um, was not enough um, to prepare managers actually to deal um, with these situations uh, properly. So training in general is one thing. And then another thing um, that you mentioned uh, is appraisal system. And what we know from the research again, from some research that has been done pre-pandemic is that there is this phenomenon of visibility of an employee in the eyes of the manager. And employees who move to work remotely often feel that they're less visible to their managers. It's not that you know there are any bad intentions in this, but when a manager has spent you know many years tracking the performance of people whom they see, when somebody now they don't see for months. They really don't know how to read the performance. And there was actually an interesting piece of research, which is quite old, maybe 15 years ago, but I think uh, it is very um, informative for us today. They did kind of an experiment in, in performance appraisal where um, some employees were working remotely, you know, in some companies they used to do it in, even a while ago. And then there were employees who were working in the office and they compared the performance appraisal rankings that these employees received. And what they found is that the performance appraisal ranking, the performance rankings of remote employees were lower. And they also found that employees were aware of this. So they were trying to use some strategies to mitigate the imbalance. And uh, some of the strategies, when you think of them, are actually not the best ones. For example, employees were trying to use impression management techniques. And what this study found that praising the manager has increased um, performance appraisals for remote workers, but not for the office office. So what this essentially means that when it all is happening face-to-face, -face, managers are skilled enough to identify these impression management techniques and filter them out and give kind of relatively more objective performance appraisal. But with the remote workers, they were not able to filter these things out. So to summarize, I think it all uh, brings the point that the performance appraisal systems 
need to be reviewed and the policy needs to be reviewed to discuss how do we appraise people whom we don't see regularly. And of course, managers need to be trained and retrained how to do performance appraisal in a hybrid or remote system. Definitely. I think building on what Tatiana said there, Mary, I think if companies do recognize that hybrid working or remote working is a good fit, it's, it comes to checking a few other things, doesn't it? It comes to checking their policies are comprehensive, that they're not discriminatory, that they're employed, that they're actually in practice, they're actually working, that, that it fits within a benefits package, all that kind of stuff. So, so there is a lot of additional considerations for employers when they do go with it, isn't there? I don't think you can change models of work and only change one element of the model of work. So if you're looking at hybrid or remote as a, a new way of working for your organization outside, and I take Tatiana's point outside of the crisis and the pandemic, then you've also got to re- review each element um, from a HR perspective that feeds into that. And so, you know, I 100% agree with you, Tatiana, around training, training for line managers, training for employees. But the question that forms in my mind is who's providing this training? And so I don't think it's ever a case that organizations um, kind of in a bloody minded way decide we're not going to train our people because they're running all sorts of programs all year round through, you know, really fancy LMS systems, and they have the capability to do all of this remotely. Um, but but who's running these programs? Where are they? I don't see them. And, you know, I'd be delighted if any of our listeners out there are running them or know of them or um, can point us towards providers who deliver them. And I think that is a problem that our our whole L&D, our our training and development of people hasn't caught up uh, in the remote world. And some organizations are going to do this far better than others. So those who already have a, a learning management system in place have a better opportunity to widely train uh, the organization and those who are larger with larger budgets or dedicated personnel for L&D have a better chance of getting this right. Uh, The smaller the organization, the more challenging it's going to be. Um, Or the more traditional an organization, the more challenging it's going to be. So I think the, the training and development piece is key. Because how does a manager know instinctively how to do this? It's entirely new. I've worked my entire career, except for the last two years, in offices. My entire career from the age of 23, when I came out of college, my entire career has been uh, in-house office space. Now, with it came huge pressures, particularly at points when I had a young family and dropping and picking up children and being being present at home in the same way I was present at work and vice versa at different times were really challenging. Now I've, I'm working almost fully remotely and, and our client base are happy to continue to engage with us in that way. We get few and far between requests to come on site and meet with people, but we have adapted and we're small enough to be agile. Um, but I do think that there is the reviewing of our age-old systems, like our 
performance management systems, like our learning systems, those that hasn't gone hand in hand with the new models. Neither has office design really played into it because, you know, if I'm to say, if, if, if you suddenly create in your office that used to be an environment where people moved around freely and talked and chatted and were, had quiet periods and, and all of that, and then you move everybody in that office environment uh, onto video calls, just imagine the noise. Um, and how well set up are offices to do that? I've heard of noise, interference, challenges with uh, broadband and internet and, and this nightmare of a situation for an employee and a manager, because actually, are you seeing people any better than you did before if you're on back-to-back video calls throughout the day as a manager? Because if you're running um, a, a model where you have some at home and some in the office, you can't sit in a meeting room with all your people around you if half of them are at home. You can only do that on a video call. So I think there's a lot of myth around the you know, hybrid work model. And like you say, I'm not quite sure where the trend started um, around it, because I think there was probably a lot of um, desire from an employer perspective to bring everybody back in. And they realized that they couldn't. And as you say, this was the compromise. But is it a win-win for everybody? I'm not sure. And we won't know for a while you know how it's all going to look in the future but i think fundamentally we we need to know who's out there providing this training i think rowena hennigan from row remote is doing um training that's the only provider i know out there who's doing that and you know rowena is fantastic but she's the only person i'm aware of so maybe there are more I don't know. Maybe maybe Tatiana and Paolo, you, you know the question or the answer to that question. No, I wanted to say I also know only of the Grow Remote training and I wanted to mention it as the only one that I know. And I know they run programs both for employees and for managers, which is, wow, I'm so happy they're doing this. But I don't know of anybody else. Definitely. So I was supposed to kind of finish with a bit of a, a quick fire round, not to put you on the spot, but I'll come to all of you. So if are there any other, and I'll come to yourself first, Paul, actually, if that's okay. Um, are there any other challenges we might have missed or what, what's some of the key kind of standout advice, I suppose, in a line or two that we can give to employers and employees when it comes to this whole thing? Well, we haven't talked about gender yet, which is something that uh, has somehow been mentioned anecdotically, mostly, I would say, uh, in the latest research. Uh, but um, it's one of the main aspects we need to be aware of. So the general the basic idea is, well, it has been observed that women uh, might be best suited for hybrid or remote work because, you know, it helps them to balance their um, work with their family or their childcare commitments. Uh, but this side of the story is just, it's just a side of the story. It's too simple to, <laughs> to you know, to capture or the, also the challenging uh, aspects which are there and uh, we need to be aware of them. Uh, so it's definitely true that um, hybrid and remote work might uh, offer an opportunity for flexibility to people who particularly need it. And among people who particularly need it, there are definitely women for many reasons that can be a choice uh, and not uh, just be safe force. 
but uh, as I said, there are very uh, there are several emerging challenges that both the employees and the companies need to be aware of. Uh, for instance, and I'm about to tell that not because I'm a woman, but because it's something that is being repeated, observed, let's say, uh, by scholars. Um, women already in a in the typical in the face-to-face -face environment uh, tend to be excluded from important networks. They do not have uh, they do not manage to enter the uh, boardroom. Uh, they have less less access to resources, less visibility. Uh, they find it challenging to take credit for their own ideas. They have fewer opportunities for promotion. And all these challenges uh, are likely to become uh, even stronger when women work remotely because they become even less visible because they have uh, less time for uh, engaging, for instance, in effective networking with both their colleagues and their, uh, and their supervisors. Um, there is even evidence that they tend to be more often interrupted or silenced in virtual meetings. Uh, even if this might be a bit more anecdotal. But still the idea is that uh, um, women uh, need to be uh, more at the front, forefront, let's say, of this discussion around uh, uh, hybrid and uh, uh, remote arrangements from both the company and uh, their own uh, perspective. Really huge consideration. Tatiana, anything else that kind of stands there for you? Um, I think we spoke about training and I want to add one more point to this. I think what an organization considering um, introducing remote or hybrid work should ask themselves is how actually the new hires or two new employees learn the ropes in their specific business. And I know Mary mentioned a lot of companies do huge training programs, induction trainings and things like this. But in, specific, in the specific business, how much of professional development happens um, by learning, by doing. And this is an important question to consider because what our research in uh, during the pandemic has suggests that, um, as Paula mentioned, we worked with professional services firms um, for whom uh, a lot of things happen by shadowing, you know, coaching, uh, um, when junior employees are coached by senior employees. And this has suffered a lot during the pandemic because when everybody went online, uh, you know, you can do so much online as a training, but then you need to work closely together and to, to observe uh, senior colleagues to learn some skills. And I think this will vary uh, from business to business, but in the businesses where this is important, you know, they really need to rethink the training system or how they can bring, how they can organize that the junior colleagues have enough opportunities to develop professionally through learning by doing uh, together with the senior ones. In relation to this, building on this and also on the powerless comment, if I reframe the gender uh, issue as a more like power imbalance issue in general, I would say that the hybrid work hybrid model, uh, if not managed properly, can increase all types of power inequalities that already exist in the organizations. And if they are not managed properly, you know, the gaps will actually grow rather than close. 
And uh, again, just to give an example from our recent research, we've seen in some firms, it is more senior people who felt they have more flexibility to choose on the uh, what type of work arrangement they can have. On the one hand, because the power in the organization allowed them more negotiation power, but also because they probably felt less need for professional development because they are already there, they're already experts. So a lot of these senior people were choosing to go fully remote where there was a choice. But this was living junior people who, on the one hand, had less choice uh, in, in essence, but then they were deprived from these learning opportunities with senior people when senior people are not in the office anymore. So the, 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 the gap uh, in, in the skills and the professional development opportunity was growing uh, because of this. I, mean, I think, Mary, it's so interesting to hear proper in-depth research about this kind of thing, isn't it? Because we've been talking about it ourselves, even on this podcast for for quite a while. Is there anything that kind of stands out to you from what we've spoken about? Anything we might be missing? I think we could talk all day because it is fascinating mm, and, and this research isn't out there. You know, there, there, there hasn't been this opportunity to look at, you know, does it really work or not? Um, and I'm sure from an organization's perspective and some of the HR people out there that are listening, they might be, you know, a head in hands going, oh no, what does this mean for us if it doesn't work? And all the work that I put into this and, and there are challenges and there are problems. And um, I think there are so many issues around uh, remote and hybrid working that you know we do need uh, health and well-being to remain uh, as part of the agenda that's slipping you can see that slipping already it used to be everywhere and now it's got a little bit quieter again um, the role of women is always a challenge uh, from an organizational perspective and as I always say, you only need to look upwards in most organizations and you will see middle-aged white men uh, on boards at the most senior level of organizations. Uh, you do see with within the HR profession, it's predominantly female. Um, how strong is their voice? How good are we at influencing at the senior level and there is a constant drive forward um, from a female perspective to be visible to be seen I know loads of HR people struggle with that themselves to be respected within the organization to get the opportunities to get the promotions um, and that's not in any way to say that you know the male members of the HR profession are doing a stellar job and are on top of these issues as much as anyone else but it's it is an ongoing issue. And if some of our work arrangements of the future, which many women choose because it is easier to balance life, you know, at a practical level, I've heard women say, you know, I can uh, make the dinner at lunchtime. I can, I'm 10 minutes from the crash rather than an hour. I'm able to do some of my household duties more easily in the morning. The children don't have to leave the house as early as they did in the past. Um, you know, these arrangements are not a substitute for childcare. And that's an important 
point that needs to be made to women, you're still expected to be fully present at your job and to have appropriate childcare arrangements in place. But I understand why more women would choose flexibility and opportunity to be away from the office just because of the sheer practicality of um, raising a family and balancing the two it's easier it's certainly easier to do that when you're remote or in a hybrid setting um, and the reduction in childcare fees and all of those things feeds into this whole um, desire for more flexibility um, so what the future is going to look like is going to be really interesting and I'm thrilled to have both Tatiana and Paolo here today um, talking about these things because they're important things to talk about just because you put in place an arrangement right now it doesn't mean that you you don't need to constantly tweak and change it and look at it and review it and see is it working constantly checking in are we doing the right things does this work for our organization absolutely so much to think about and so much that we've we've learned today so hopefully that has been enjoyable for our listeners so thank you uh, mary tatiana paula for a very insightful discussion i really hope that has enlightened a lot of people thank you everyone to, for listening i know many of you will be listening once or twice now because you'll be getting the notepads out and taking down some of the key considerations you spoke about uh, we'll catch you all next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Make sure to check the show notes for useful resources related to today's topic, where we will be sharing some links there that will help you help you think about this topic. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at insighthr.ie. Thank you, Tatiana. Thank you, Paula. And thank you, thank Mary. You. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast. The podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember... If you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.